We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this, if you don't turn a profit this week, Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses in week seven. So download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out Jock Market. You could spell that J-O-C-K-M-K-T dot com and use the promo code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. Joined, as always, by the man behind the dials, the man behind the model, the man behind the numbers. At Advanced Sports Analytics, it's Stuart Gibson uh, for a week seven that uh, I must say is, is, is fairly, we're getting a fairly unique slate in comparison to, to others that we've had this season. Uh, and even last season, the fact that we have one, two, three, we have three games that has a, one team that is over a two touchdown favorite. And then we also have like three other games that a team are uh, around a touchdown of one touchdown favorite. Uh, do you have any, any insight on, on when we have games that are so heavily lopsided towards one team where the correlations, because we've seen that a lot of people they'll build, you know, quarterback, two pass catchers, a run back, or even just a quarterback and two pass catchers where the correlations uh, become stronger for the players on the favored team, but not necessarily for the team on the other side of the game, as well as pairing the quarterback and the running back together. Cause we saw last week with the Rams Stafford plus Henderson plus cup was, you know, one of the nuts ways of, uh, you know, getting a top GPP score. Uh, should we be focusing uh, a lot either less on the run back correlations and more on these running back, like just, I'm just taking the whole offense from a, from a team when we have team totals that are 30 plus, but the other side of the game is very low implied total. Yeah. don't have any hard numbers on that, but I mean, just anecdotally, like we can think back to that sequence last year where it seemed like the jets were two touchdown dogs uh, for towards the middle of the season for, you know, weeks on end and just, you know, the, uh, the, the correlative theory kind of suggested like, uh, you know, well, we, we want to bring back uh, guys on the other end and they kind of just continued to let down. Uh, we've seen it a bit this year with Houston. Houston's been kind of hot and cold. Like I think they have in some spots provided uh, 
substantive correlative kind of bring back optionality, but certainly with Davis Mills uh, in at quarterback, it's been uh, less so the case. And then, you know, even looking back to last week, um, Los Angeles, I think we, we both kind of touched on as projecting a strong uh, tournament consideration. And, uh, you know, I guess Sterling Shepard kind of, kind of got there, but for the most part, it was looking pretty bad uh, for Giants bringbacks uh, for, for much of the game. Um, so yeah, I, I just anecdotally, it does seem like with some of these big blowout spots, you know, potentially some opportunities to just stack the side that you like, um, and drop or leave, leave off, uh, players on the bring back side. And then with regards to running back, I, I certainly think for me, uh, just considering kind of the type of running back. So like, you know, Henderson last week, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider him like a prototypical, a pass catching running back, but I think he is functional in the pass role and like the way that guys like Sony Michelle, um, among others, like are not. Uh, so, so thinking about the the type of running backs that we have, so like we do have Henderson and kind of Stafford stacks in a similar spot this week. Um, you know, considering like Kyler and Chase Edmonds, I think of Edmonds as like a strong pass catching running back. Uh, not so much that they're in a favored spot, but like we have seen uh, Miles Gaskin put up big pass catching games, even uh, McKissick and some of, you know, you could go Heineke, McKissick, stuff like that. Uh, but then also seeing spots like Baltimore um, and their running back core, which is just they don't really use running backs out of the backfield as pass catchers. Like that would be for me a spot where I'm not super open and it's not like a huge uh, spread game, but still, you know, approaching a touchdown, uh, but just given kind of the, the, the makeup and archetype of those running backs in Baltimore, probably not a spot where I'm open to, and, and also just given the style of play of Jackson, right? Like I think Stafford statue quarterback, more or less, uh, and Henderson, I think just make for, for stronger positive correlates as where, you know, you can make the case that like Lamar and Tyson Williams or whatever is, uh, strong negative correlate, just given Lamar's role, given uh, Baltimore running backs role. And then I guess Arizona's kind of in between, like Kyler is a run heavy quarterback, but also Chase Edmonds is a pass catcher. And I don't actually know that like, just given the role of Chase Edmonds was, has they've just been giving all the goal line work to Connor, like Kyler Connor would figure to be the strong negative correlates. I'm not super concerned like about Edmonds and Kyler being super strong negative correlates. Um, so that's kind of how I, I would approach things uh, and think about whether to bring back someone, uh, how how you're considering running backs plus quarterbacks, uh, stuff like that. Well, let's first take a look at the top game on the slate. We don't have many games. I mean, number one, there's only 10 games on the slate. Uh, and we don't have, we have a whole bunch of middling total games and then one high, high total game. And that high total game is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans, uh, the total is a 57 and a half. It is a touchdown clear of any other game on the slate. The Chiefs with a 31 implied team total. The Titans with a 26 and a half implied team total. Chiefs favored by four and a half. I take a look at uh, lineup HQ for this game. Uh, this is going to be the most popular game. Tyreek Hill, Darrell Williams, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, all double digit ownership all projecting well. And on the other side, you got Derrick Henry, you got A.J. Brown. You still got Julio Jones there. Maybe he'll be the lower owned out of the, the Titans. Uh, obviously, a lot of these guys are expensive. Hill is 8,600. Kelsey's 7,600. Henry's obviously expensive at 9,200. With uh, this being like, I mean, in comparison to other games on the slate, this has the highest total and the closest spread. So we're not talking necessarily about like the Rams versus the Lions, which we'll talk about the next, which they're, you know, they're a 16 point favorite. Uh, you would have to expect that if you're going to run back anyone on the slate, it would be, you know, I mean, we should expect Mahomes stacks to be popular. We should expect AJ Brown to be a popular run back. Derek Henry popularity is really being toned down by his price tag at 9,200. And we got like Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. We got some high-priced wide receivers on the slate. And we also have running backs 
in like that 6K range that project very well. So Henry's ownership may be lower. It's not going to be low, but it'll be lower than it would normally be. Uh, what are your thoughts on stacking this game and how concerned would you be about stacking this game with these prices and how it affects the rest of your lineup being that you're more likely in a three plus one type of situation to end up with very similar players because you're, you're stuck in certain price ranges. Yeah. I, I think it's a, like we had a similar spot, I think last week with the Dallas or not last week, maybe two weeks ago with Dallas, New York, where it was just at least for my estimation, kind of head and shoulders above the, and certainly per Vegas's estimation, head and shoulders above this. one, I think is even further uh, clear of the rest of the field. Uh, but with that game, like I, I was comfortable being very overweight on the game, particularly Dallas, because I just thought there was exceptional value. Uh, I think the obviously the ceiling is there when you have guys like Mahomes and Henry and Hill and Kelsey, like obviously a huge ceiling. Uh, but of course, they're very expensive. Um, Henry, I, I just like I don't like I don't play much Derrick Henry, just I think kind of similar to how Brandon discussed on previous shows, uh, you know, ad nauseum. Uh, like the, 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 the price tag on Henry is just preventatively high, just given how DraftKings scoring uh, works. Like the ceiling for a guy like Henry just isn't as high as the ceiling for a similarly priced wide receiver like Devontae Adams. You know, there's just so much more value in receptions than rushing yards. Of course, Henry can wrap, rack up touchdowns, but I think the best receivers in the game can go toe-to-toe with Henry uh, and touchdown equity. So, like, Henry's just a guy I, I won't be considering, so that leaves you with, you know, the, I think the Kansas City passing side is appealing to me. Uh, I am looking at y'all's ownership and our ownership, and I, I think my my exposure would likely come in slightly under um, what – what I'm seeing between kind of the aggregation of the two, uh, but certainly not a game. Like I want to X out even from a stacking standpoint. Like, I mean, we've seen Mahomes plus Kelsey Mahomes plus Hill at times, the two of, you know, the, the double stack of kind of those power three just exceed uh, any sort of price or value concerns. So definitely like a stack that I want some exposure to, uh, but not, to me, there's just not enough value uh, to consider going all in uh, or just extremely overweight on. Uh, and and also like the ownership, you know, I think Mahomes is, is going to be quite popular. That stack is going to be quite popular. To me, the more appealing combination is probably just doing a secondary stack from this game. Like I really like uh, Kelsey plus Brown uh, is kind of the secondary correlation that I'm getting in a lot of lineups as I'm running them. Uh, here on Friday. So that that would be, I guess, the most common way I'll, I'll probably be getting exposure to this game. Uh, you know, I think I think Mahomes KC side make for a fine stack uh, probably will be at at, you know, at field strength, probably slightly under. Uh, but, you know, I do want exposure to this game. It's not like, you know, one that I'm kind of fully Xing out from a from a stack standpoint. Okay, so I got two questions for you about this game. And obviously, we're going to spend time on this game, being that it's seven and a half points higher than any other game on the slate. Uh, two things. One, let's say you play this from the Tannehill side. Tannehill plus Brown plus Jones, or you throw in Ferkser, you throw in the tight end, or maybe a single stat, you know, you just do a skinny. You know, Tannehill plus one of the receivers and then run it back with Hill or Kelsey or something like that. And second question. If this game fails, it doesn't mean that it comes, you know, it still, still may hit 57 total, but it comes through different ways. Do you think the running backs are the ones that are the most negatively correlated to the stack failing? Uh, yeah, that, that I mean, that seems feasible. Like, I think we kind of saw that last week with Kansas City. You know, Darrell Williams, great game. Uh, Kansas City. I mean, they don't wouldn't say they failed, but they they. Uh, well, when I when know, I say failed, Stuart, I'm talking about like a GPP winning ceiling, right? So like they failed from that perspective. Yeah, right. So so yeah, I mean, I would say like you know last week Kansas City the stack 
the passing side did fail. I think they, they put up good value, but probably not GPP ceiling, uh, you know, GPP winning value uh, as where, you know, I think Darrell Williams, like had a, I, I didn't check to see what lineups won, but you know, he, he had a, you know, had production that I think could have been viable to, to win a tournament. Uh, so yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Um, are you thinking more from the Henry side or more from, you know, Williams KC? More, more from the Williams KC side, more, more due to the fact that, you know, Williams ends up getting two rushing touchdowns and those rushing touchdowns really kill the ceilings for the, the especially at the prices from an $8,600 Hill and a $7,600 Kelsey and an 8k plus Mahomes that like I could see playing Williams as a one-off in this game, but I also see it from the Henry side as well. If Henry has 180 yards and three touchdowns, like, I think, I think that that kind of kills the passing side of this. I mean, it definitely kills the, the Tennessee passing side. So I, I view, I view the running backs more as like, like uses leverage tools, but it's not like I'm avoiding, like, like you said before, I think I'm more likely to play this game as one-offs as secondaries than necessarily stacking. Cause I think that at Mahomes's price, there's a decent enough chance that another quarterback for much cheaper uh, equals him, right? Yeah, Mahomes has a has a good but not great game, you know, not ceiling game, 28 points. Well, maybe there's a quarterback 2,000 cheaper that puts up 31, right? 30, something like that, that I don't need Mahomes. Tyreek Hill puts up 32 points, but he's 8,600. Maybe I find a 7K receiver that puts up 28. And from a point per dollar perspective, that's fine. Kelsey's the toughest one because the tight end position, if you could beat everyone else at the tight end position by a significant amount, like that's a, that's a hefty advantage. So I think I'm, I'm more likely, especially with the, we have some tight ends on the slate that are going to be played. Uh, I think, I think I'd, I'd rank this as like, as a, as a priority in my lineups outside of the stack to be Kelsey one Williams two. uh, probably Henry three and, and Hill four, but, uh, but Hey, if this stack, it's the 57 and a half total seven and a half to higher than any other game on the slate. If this game goes for 80 points and all the other games go under, like you're going to need this game. So like uh, I probably still will have some Mahomes stacks, but I think I'm with you that, that I may be, I, I may have plenty of these players, but not necessarily as much of the stacks. Yeah. Yeah. I think like some of these lower total games, not specific to this week, but in general, like, uh, you know, you, you can, I think it's fair and kind of comfortable to just say like, well, there's, there's, there's sometimes little value in being quote unquote underweight on like a just bad game. So, you know, it's like, if you're going to take 1% of something might as well just take zero. But, um, you know, I think just, given the popularity of this game, the kind of expected ownership there, there are ways to be underweight on the game, but not like fully faded. Um, and it's just such, you know, clearly like the, the best game environment, like, you know, it's not, it's not a, a game I want to fade from a stacking standpoint. Uh, I, I'm in lockstep with you though, with regards to Kelsey. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you have some weeks where like Kelsey is kind of stone chalk, but I do think th- there are some, uh, you know, tight end options that people are going to, try to i don't even want to say get cute with because like i'm not I'm not trying to say like rsj is like a bad play i think you know very strong play um from like a value and projection standpoint but uh you know it feels like this could be one of these weeks where like you said like kelsey more so than probably any other player on the slate maybe aside from i guess henry you know has this elevated likelihood of just winning their position by such a wide margin and because you know tight ends only one uh you know there's just extreme value to getting the top tight end and you know he'll be challenged this week by like you know waller and uh andrews i think but uh you know there's just a lot of kind of top positional probability equity with kelsey and um you know for that reason like want to consider stacking mahomes and and even in non-mahomes stacks you know just going kelsey plus a titan of your choice could be henry i kind of like aj brown uh I think there's just good value in uh, as your as your route to exposure uh, for for this game. So let's go to the next game on the docket, uh, the second most popular game on the slate. 
It is the Lions at the Rams. It's a 50 total. The Rams are a 16-point favorite with a 33 implied team total, the highest on the slate. Lions, 17 implied team total. Taking a look at lineup HQ, uh, Cup, Henderson, Swift, clear best projected plays. Also the stone chalk of the entire slate. We have Cup at 18% ownership, which I think we're probably coming in a little bit low on. Uh, Henderson at 28 Swift at 24, and then it drops off of a cliff with Woods, Hawkinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, outside, I mean, I mean, this is obviously, I mean, for all three guys, probably more so Cup and Henderson. Swift is, you know, much a much more volatile player. Can you just play, I mean, are there going to be lineups with a lot of lineups with two of these guys with, with Stafford? If I take a look at Stafford ownership, 9%, which is one of the higher quarterbacks. Uh, with how concentrated these offenses tend to be and the prices where they are, 6,600 for Henderson, 8,400 for Cup, 6,000 for Swift. I'm more, other than the, 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 the Chiefs game, where once you start stacking these things together, uh, it makes a lot of the other positions, you're, you're locked out of a lot of things. Uh, just playing like Stafford Henderson Cup, like you still have six slots open, right? Not playing Swift in that lineup, that's fine. Playing Hawkinson instead, playing St. Brown instead, or playing the leverage game, and instead of playing Cup, you play Woods, or you play Higby, or you play Van Jefferson. Uh, do you think that, because obviously the merits of the stack is a plus, but I think Henderson's rejection is high, so high that you can still have leverage by playing Stafford stacks with a second pass catch. So instead of just doing Stafford cup, which is going to be chalky, I think once you add woods or once you add Van Jefferson, once you add Higby, Deshaun Jackson, if you really want to take a flyer, uh, that type of stack take is, is when it succeeds, Henderson is underperforming, is ceiling. And then if you take Henderson, the likelihood of Cup Cooper Cup. Henderson has four touchdowns, but are coming out of Cooper Cup. So while from a projection standpoint, playing Stafford Henderson Cup rates out the best, it's also the highest owned. Do you see that the other combinations of this stack? because all these other players in the game are single digit owned are actually like, I almost prefer doing that than playing the chiefs game weirdly, because there's no really weirdly when everyone is 10 plus percent owned, but when there's two guys, three guys in this game, that are going to be 20 plus percent owned to me. Like I could kill so many lineups by just playing woods over cup or just playing Hawkinson over Swift or playing, or playing, not playing Henderson in the lineup. I mean, I don't want to avoid this game. I don't want to avoid the Rams, but Stafford Henderson cup just, it's just, I think it's going to be over-owned. Yeah. I, um, I think my preference here is just take Henderson and get out of Dodge and, you know, or I think also I'm open to like uh run backs of Swift or a uh, Hawkinson in there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think just the ownership's still going to be. I mean, obviously, it's going to be high on these Rams guys, and you know, you know, Cup price kind of keeps coming up. Um, you know, Stafford price keeps coming up, and uh, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, in general, like, don't love playing quarterbacks as two score favorites. The Rams historically have skewed run heavy, although I think with Stafford in there, it's a slightly different makeup. Uh, but you know, I think we just know the Lions are like this terrible run defense. I expect them to just get pounded by Henderson. Uh, and I think just at the price and ownership of Cup and Stafford, my preferred bet would just be to uh, not bet on so much the game going under, but just bet on the Rams uh, pass game, certainly relative to their price, just going underutilized. Uh, and, you know, I think Henderson's going to be popular. Like, uh, you know, ch he's, he's chalky running back. 
I think it's a spot where I'm okay eating the chalk and, you know, being off the uh, pass catching chalk. But I do, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like if you are going to stack uh, Stafford, like yeah, you, you have to, I think you have to have like a Woods or a Higby or a Van Jefferson or something like that. Uh, Cause yeah, just going Stafford cup, uh, even D Hendo, like, you know, I, I think it's just, you're soaking up so much ownership between those three guys. Um, so I, I, my, my, as it stands right now, I, I don't expect to do very much of this game from like a stacking standpoint, but I, I get what you're saying. Like if you are going to uh, definitely agree that you would want to have uh, at least one of like Woods Higby, uh, you know, Jefferson Jackson, something like that in there. Okay. So those are the two games that have a 50 or plus total. Uh, normally we'd have more to go over, but I want to uh, talk about the two other games that have uh, high implied total teams. And then after that, we'll do our uh, pluses and minuses. Uh, the second highest implied total on the slate is the Arizona Cardinals. That's a 47 total. The Cardinals are 17 and a half point favorites over the Texans. 32.25 implied total for, uh, for the Cardinals, 14.75 for the Texans, if I take a look at lineup HQ, uh, no one really projects all that well. Uh, we have Murray at 4% ownership. Uh, we got Cooks at 11, Edmonds at nine, everyone else in kind of the single digits, Hopkins at four, Kirk at two, AJ Green at one. Uh, is it weird for me to say that even though this game doesn't project well, a team that has a 32 implied total. The problem with this game is that these touchdowns could go to anyone. I mean, like that, that's, that's the reason why the, the, the Arizona players don't project that well is that for their prices, that distribution could go anywhere. And from a median value, AJ Green at 5,100 or Chris Kirk at 5,300, uh, Rondell Moore at 4,400, DeAndre Hopkins at 7,700 are just overpriced for median but from a ceiling perspective, if you tell me the Cardinals are going to put up five plus touchdowns, uh, why don't I want to play some of this game? Maybe, do I want to use Brandon Cooks at 6K as a runback? The Cardinals defense is going to be the highest owned defense on the slate. Do you think that I'm not saying to play Davis Mills, so don't get me to, the leverage of that, but do you think that a way to bust a lot of line that get leverage and bust lineups at the same time. I'm not even saying I'm going to do it because these rejections are not that good. Playing something like Murray plus someone like as a single stack and then run it back with Brandon cooks. Hopefully he gets a touchdown or something. It busts some of the Cardinals defense lineups and you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Because if this, if this, if the Cardinals are the top scoring team on the slate, like this ownership is in the single digits. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird game. Like we have like a, uh, you know, plus EV simulated score on Murray. So like to me, that's a good sign. Seems like a guy you'd want to target, but yeah, I mean, I just struggle with like the kind of the question you raise, like who, who do you stack with him? It's, it's kind of tough. You know, the like Hopkins hasn't really gotten a pricing, a significant pricing discount uh Edmonds hasn't you know none, none of these guys have really gotten a significant pricing discount and you know more and green have even increased um I hadn't I hadn't considered kind of the Arizona DST chalk buster of cooks that that checks out and uh yeah I, th I think that makes a lot of sense um man I just like I I, I so so yeah I have we kind of have this like positive score on Murray as an individual but the uh, Arizona stacks or like team uh, as a whole has slightly, slightly positive score. Uh, just but yeah, I mean, but really that's, that's the hang up with the Cardinals. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the team. It's the pricing of the players. Like you priced all these guys down 1000. Now this looks so much more appealing. I mean, that really that's, and, and the distribution of targets is just so volatile, but from an upside perspective versus ownership, I may, I may take a shot on this. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't think it sounds crazy. I guess it's just like, 
like Arizona, the pricing is tough. Like Kansas City has tough pricing, but it's condensed. We have pretty high confidence uh, aside from these kind of gadget plays to, you know, third string tight ends and, you know, fullbacks and whatnot. Uh, pretty condensed and like we kind of have high confidence in who, if a ceiling is achieved, it's going to come through. Um, Arizona, to me, like feels kind of like Tampa Bay of last year. And, if, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I have a hard time kind of like, who, I mean, I'm kind of curious, like who, what, so where, where is your lean as far as a stack uh, pair with, there's uh, no lean i don't know i'll see how i yeah, can put yeah. them in that's the point like i'll have to run lineups and see how they work out it's just that from an upside perspective i can't i can't ignore it yeah i i i think uh in principle like it sounds it sounds compelling to me i think there is a game and a side that has pretty similar properties to arizona um i think i actually just alluded to arizona as the uh them of this year uh to me there's just like a a side that like well let's let's talk about that game then i I was gonna go right to it yeah okay so like so i yeah i get kind of just roll into tampa bay like to me i think everything that you're saying that i think makes a lot of sense with arizona um makes pretty similar sense except for that brady doesn't have the rushing upside of murray um but like tampa bay is kind of more condensed now and like with no brown and gronkowski like actually seems like a pretty tight uh, receiving core. I think the pricing is a little better, similar uh, kind of spread blowout likelihood. Uh, but I also really like, I mean, similar like how Los Angeles, at least uh, over kind of the medium to long uh, like time window, skews slightly run heavy. I mean, Tampa Bay is just on a pass heavy clip this year that like, I mean, they're just, blowing other you know the bills like historically have been a team that you know bills in kansas city are really just like standing head and shoulders above the league like tampa bay i mean is blowing these two teams out in terms of pass rate over expectation like i'm not even concerned really that a 13 point uh tampa bay victory is gonna mean that they're gonna turn to fournette and just you know pound with fournette like i think they're just gonna keep passing with brady um I don't know. To me, they're similar properties, uh, but I, I have just more confidence in kind of who a ceiling outcome is going to come through. Uh, there's not the kind of Arizona DST chalkbuster uh, like equity that that you allude to, but uh, I think some of the other similarities and kind of value points uh, persist for the Tampa Bay side. Right, because Tampa Bay has a 30 implied team total. It's a 47 total game. They're a 13 point favorite. The Bears have a 17 implied team total. My question about the Bear is on the Bears side. Uh, Tampa Bay is notoriously, you can't run on them. Like they, they, for, they force you to pass the ball and their passing defense isn't all that great. Uh, but on the Bears side, Nagy has been looking to basically hide Justin Fields, right? For the most part, like they've been running the ball a lot more lower a dot passes less risk now it's kind of like we got the two opposites here of like if they're going to be a 13 point dog that that is almost going to have to pass if they're going to be down they're going to have to pass uh are you more inclined because we see here with the ownership god the ownership hasn't been updated with brown being out so we have before brown was out we had godwin at 11 mike evans at four Fournette at 21 I'm assuming that Evans is going to go up. Now, for their prices, this is not Godwin and Evans from two years ago that were 7K plus. Godwin's 5,900. Evans is 6,500. And you even got like Tyler Johnson in there if you want to throw him in. Uh, Fournette's only 6,400. But Allen Robinson's 5,100. Darnell Mooney's 4,600. Mooney's 8% owned currently, uh, 4% for Allen Robinson. Cole Komet. At twelve percent at tight end, at a as a punt three k tight end, uh, would you be more inclined, even though they're the the Bucks are that heavy of a favorite, that at these prices, like if Tampa Bay is going to force Fields essentially to most likely the most likely outcome pass thirty plus times, should I, should I be running this? Should I be making Brady, Godwin, Evans, Mooney? Should I should I be more inclined to use? as opposed to the Texans 
as opposed to the Lions? Like, do you think out of all the teams that the Bears are the ones with these two cheaper receivers to not mind, like, like using Mooney or Robinson as, as like parts of the stack and not just say, no, Tampa just blows them out and who cares? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on this one. I, I like just from a value standpoint, I think, I think cook stands out to me as like a pretty decent uh, value. These Chicago guys just from a, you know, projection per dollar standpoint, just really don't look great uh, on paper or in the optimizer or whatever your uh, lineup building medium of choice is. Um, that to me doesn't feel great. And I, I haven't, uh, you know, Fields hasn't done much to, uh, you know, g- give, give, uh, give someone trying to roster Chicago receivers much confidence. Um, I, I, I think I would prefer to look kind of for some of these cheap guys and just take some, takes, take a mix of no Chicago bring back. Uh, and just punt type guys. I mean, I guess at, at, at their prices, like there's really not that much that separates Mooney and Robinson. Uh, Komet to me looks like a intriguing uh, option. It's just kind of a pure punt standpoint. Um, should generate though some, some ownership. Uh, but I do think this is potentially a spot to not, not try to force in the bring back. And, and if you do uh, do it for cheap, essentially, uh, because I, I think there's some real risk here where Chicago is you know, scoring three, 10 points, something like that. And, uh, you know, aside from one of these cheap guys catching a touchdown, like 10, 10 points from Chicago just isn't really going to uh, give you a high, high chance of a Chicago bring back being tournament winning viable. Uh, so I, my, my lean would be actually to consider no bring backs uh, in this game, just, I don't know, given, given kind of the, the performance to date of uh, the Chicago passing game. Okay, let's get into some other games. But before uh, we do that, I'm, I've mentioned Lineup HQ a bunch of times. Uh, if you don't know, now you know, there's a five-day free trial for, uh, for Roto-Grinders Premium. So you'll get to use Lineup HQ. you get to use the Grinders uh, Gridiron IQ projections. You'll get to use uh, all, the, all the premium content, the premium shows, uh, the, 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 the Grin Iron IQ, uh, the research tools, everything that we have here at Roto-Grinders for NFL for five days for free. So that'll include Sunday slate. That'll include Sunday showdown slate. That'll include Monday showdown slate. So if you go to the link in the description for the promo below, get five free days of Roto-Grinders NFL premium and try it out. And if you, if you like it, stay with us. And if you don't, the uh, uh, no harm, no foul. So let's go to our pluses and minuses, basically games that are obviously lower than 50 totals that we're higher on and games that we're lower on in comparison to ownership. So what, what is your first plus? Yeah, so I got, I got two and, uh, you know, we can lead kind of. I, I think we may, I think we end up having, I think we're going to have both have the same two. Yeah, one I have pretty high confidence in, so we can kind of lead with that one because I know you've mentioned them before. Uh, I mean, with Tua back in Miami, to me, that seems like a potentially compelling spot. Um, I'm not sure, was that one of your two? Yes, that, that's one That's one okay. of my two pluses, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, why don't we start there? I mean, to me, like, I think Miami, uh, you know, expecting with Tua back, like, should be a little more functional uh, offensively. Uh, been interested in this stack really even when Brissett was playing, um, you know, just going something simple like Gusecki and Parker. Uh, now with two in, you know, I think maybe a good uh, kind of buy low opportunity on this Miami offense going up against Atlanta, which is, you know, defense that I think we like to pick on. Uh, you know, I think Calvin Ridley just comes in at a really compelling price, just a pretty uh, straightforward, like obvious bring back option. Uh, so yeah, then, just project projects projects to be a competitive game. Uh, I know in the past you've kind of liked these spots of like a not competitive game in that both teams are playing good football against one another, but a game in that both teams are kind of playing equally poorly uh, and how that can create kind of positive scoring and fantasy 
environments. And uh, I think that's looking like one of those game, one of these games uh, this week could obviously be a huge letdown, but uh, at the ownership, you're going to get from these games uh, or from these sides. I uh, think it looks like a good spot from kind of a uh, upside relative to ownership and price. Right. When two bad teams play each other, it's just a high variance spot. They're either bad and it goes 13 to 10 or they're bad and it goes 44 to 38 because they can't stop anyone. Uh, Ridley is going to be very chalky on DraftKings at 6,600 because they've lowered his price and he was out for a personal reason the last game. Now he's back. He shouldn't be 6,600. Uh, Parker is questionable, but if he's back, like Waddle's been priced up to 5,600. So Waddle had a great game in London the last time, but obviously with Parker back, is going to kind of knock some of the luster off. Uh, I think I'm less likely to play Ridley as a one-off. Now, obviously, if he fits into certain lineups, he will. Just that I think you can mitigate the Ridley ownership by playing the Dolphins. I think that's what makes this game more appealing to me is that instead of people will be playing Ridley one-offs. Well, how do I differentiate my Ridley one-off lineups? Well, by correlating the other side of the game, by playing either by playing Ryan and playing a Ryan Ridley Pitts type of stack. Russell Gage is back also. So maybe you throw him in and you play a Ryan side or you play a Tua side. You go Tua, Gusecki, Parker, Ridley. And if Ridley Chalk gets there, well, it's probably because the Dolphins are also getting there also. And the Dolphins are, you know, Gusecki 10%, Parker 8%, Waddle 6%, Gaskin 4%. I mean, they're low, they're, they're low owned enough. So like I, I, I like the appeal of this game because two bad teams means it's high variance and it's a way for me to get Ridley into my lineups without it just being Ridley. So, I mean, I, I, to me, uh, those are the two factors of this game. What's the, what's the other plus? I'm I'm assuming we're both on the, I, I hope, I hope we're on the same team here. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a sneaky or kind of just vomits that game, but I mean, I just think, Lamar Jackson's going to come in a bit underowned, and kind of the the Baltimore um, you know receiving receiving game is is going to come in a bit underowned. I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong, like Mahomes is great, Stafford and uh, you know L.A. great, but you know I think uh, just the upside that we know Lamar has, uh, you know, condensed pass catchers. I do think that um, kind of passing attack is going to come in underowned. You got a good bit of optionality. I mean. Lamar's typically a guy that, you know, I would say the preference is to single stack him, but like now all of a sudden kind of got weapons. I mean, you know, Brown's looking good. Andrews is looking solid. Bateman's back, uh, I think is just at a really good price point. Like, you know, does feel like a, a game that you can uh, double stack Lamar. And then, you know, of course, uh, Cincinnati's got receiving weapons to boot um, picking, the right ones, I think, can be a challenge. Uh, but, uh, you know, something like Jackson, Andrews, Brown, Higgins, or Chase, or you know, Bateman, Brown, Higgins, Chase, Higgins or Chase, something like that, uh, I think, to me, makes a lot of sense. And uh, just looks like a pretty uh, pretty cozy kind of uh, double stack with a bring back that, you know, I don't know if people are going to overlook and kind of over-index on, like, Mahomes or, or Stafford. So uh, that would be the other one I'm kind of looking at. I disagree with you. This is my biggest minus. Really? Okay. This is my bi- This would this would be my biggest minus, not just a minus, but the big. You're. I think you're. You're. Uh, you're underestimating the ownership here. We have Bateman at sixteen percent owned, Higgins at sixteen, Brown at ten, Andrews at ten, Boyd at eight. Like this game is going to be owned. This. I mean, this is that is not an under the radar type of game. Uh, as a value play, Bateman may be maybe in cash lineups even. So it's much, it's very easy once you play Bateman to play these Lamar double stacks and then run it back with one of Higgins, Chase, Boy. I mean, like it's too easy to make and that's why it's being made. Uh, but I think from a, from a, a the, the range of outcomes, ability to disappoint. I mean, we saw it with Jackson in the Ravens the last game where, you know, all three running backs have touchdowns. Cincinnati is not, is not a pass heavy team anymore. So like, this game could be one of the slowest games on the entire slate. Uh, and I, I think, I think people are over indexing on that one uh, Lamar Jackson game where he had to come back from two touchdowns and they threw a bunch. And I think these two teams would prefer to run the ball. And I think that caps the, the upside 
yeah, I would I would have no problem with this game if the, all these guys were single digit owned, but not at this not at this ownership. So I think I, I think you, the perspective that you have may be based on thinking that it's going under the radar. I end up, I think this is going to be like like the third or fourth most popular game on the entire slate. Uh, and the and the plus that I'm thinking, I thought I thought you were gonna mention my plus. I thought we I thought we were gonna be in agreement to this. There's one team I, that I rate higher than any other team on th- this entire slate for their ownership. By I mean one I, I'm a, there's one team on this slate that I'm going to play. Uh, prob like uh, if I'm playing a uh, hundred lineups, they'll be in twenty percent. They'll be in twenty percent of my hundred. And in my single entry stuff, I may play what like eight lineups. This team may be in in, in three. Like the stack may be in three of them. I feel fairly confident if I had one more guess that I could get it. And I feel almost certain with two more guesses, I could get it. Okay. So you have one of two. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, What's your best, what's your best guess? And then what's your second best guess? My, my first guess would be Washington. Second guess, New England. Oh, you got neither of them. Oh man. You got neither. One, One Washington. They're, um, they're a seven and a half point dog against the Packers at, in Green Bay. Well, just yeah, because I mean, of their price, just because Heineke, McLaurin, yeah, I think price, Jones, Adams um, type of thing. Price, you know, game environment down, down seven. Expect them to skew pass heavy. Um, you know, I think even McKissich uh, is in play as like a Heineke stack option. Um, so I think, I think there are ways to get pretty cheap and, uh, you know, kind of reception oriented uh value out of you know guys like McKissich or uh Seals Jones uh no I'm I'm interested to hear I I um like I said I I thought a near guarantee that I would be able to uh get it with two guesses but um one you know yeah uh no I'm interested to hear uh it's a game that has the third highest total on the slate at 48 and a half okay it has a three-point spread okay it has a quarterback on one side that is most likely going to be the highest owned quarterback, probably your cash game quarterback. And that's Jalen hurts. Mm-hmm. But I think people don't realize how pass heavy the Las Vegas Raiders actually are. And the Eagles defense is not, is not, is not good. Is, is, is not good. Gruden's not there anymore also. So we may not see, you know, 25 rushes into them, you know, Peyton Barber running the ball in Jacobs is catching more passes out of the backfield. Uh, I have no problem playing Derek Carr on this. I mean, like that Derek Carr and Darren Waller, who is playing Darren Waller at 6,700 on a slate with Kelsey and a bunch of cheaper options. We have him at 3% owned. Carr plus Waller plus Ruggs plus Renfro plus Edwards. I mean, I got choices. Uh, I can run it back with Miles Sanders. On the other side at 5,100, I can run it back with Devonta Smith, who will be on the Philly side is going to be the more owned side of this game. That's the, like, I don't like this game as a stack from the Eagles side. Like I, from a projection standpoint, I do Hertz plus Goddard plus Smith will be like the second highest owned stack on the slate. I'm a minus on them because I think they're over-owned. Okay. Uh, not because they're not good. I, mean, I just think they're going to be over-owned, but the, the, like, while the Eagles will be over-owned, like who's playing Derek Carr? Who's playing? Who's playing Waller? With no one. If the Raiders went out and the Raiders have have an implied team total of twenty five point seven five at home as a three point favorite, and where where no one likes playing Derek Carr, but like from an air yards perspective this year, I think he's second in the NFL in air yards. I think Josh Allen is one. I, th- I think he's over Mahomes, maybe. Even. I mean, like he's uh, he's up there. I may not know the exact number, but he's in the top three or something in air yards. And no one seems to realize this. His passing props are always abs- like you look at it and you go two eighty six for Derek Carr, and then he gets there. So I thought I thought we would be in agreement on that. I thought you'd I thought you'd po- point this out as at least I thought it's not the top guess. Your second guess. Uh, or, yeah. am I, or maybe I'm not, maybe you're looking at something and maybe I'm, maybe I'm the nuts one for like, no, why aren't I playing card double stacks? No, I mean, I, we don't have bad, like, you know, bottom of the barrel scores on really either of these sides. I think it just from our kind of process, they're coming in as kind of middling uh, in terms of 
value relative to ownership, uh, you know, ceiling incorporation, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't like doesn't strike me as like a yeah a bad spot. And I you know I do think uh, I'm I'm certainly not not intimidated by kind of the uh, any sort of like Las Vegas or Raider uh, you know I don't know. Uh, bad juju or fud or whatever like i do think um you know in, in in other weeks like i las vegas is a team that i tend to like to play um could just be coming from like us seeing kelsey as a superior tight end option and like you know a lot of the value for the las vegas side is probably going to come through waller and your assumption that waller will, will outperform and probably be tight end one um so I, that, that, that could kind of, uh, you know, I, like, I don't know, I spend a lot of time looking at the numbers and not as much time trying to justify like why the numbers are coming in the way that they are. But as I kind of think through it here now, like to me, that would probably be uh, the pain point as to where uh, their, you know, simulated score probably isn't quite as strong. Like if you, you know, didn't have Kelsey on the slate or, you know, had, had, a large proportion of simulations that ran out with Kelsey uh, being beat out by Waller, just underperforming in a big way. Uh, you know, I think makes sense. Like that, that, that kind of uh, that, that game and that stack becomes kind of increasingly valuable. So. And I think, I think the variance of this game goes up with Hertz at quarterback. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen this season hurt Hertz is making a lot of mistakes and he ends up getting there from a fantasy perspective. He's great. Cause he ends up getting there anyway. Right, he's yeah. rushing the ball. He gets ends a red zone carries, and he's. I mean, he get. But from a, from the opposite side of perspective, I mean, who says Hertz doesn't throw three interceptions and give the Raiders short fields all the time? I mean, like, like I I just see the the volatility in this game being high, and everyone gravitating to one side of the game, but not the other side of the game. I think Josh Jacobs. We have him at sixteen percent currently. I don't think he'll be as high as sixteen percent. I just, I just think there's a lot of value in a game where people are playing one side but not the other to just play the side that people aren't playing in a game that's close and has the third highest total on the slate. Like, I, I view this as better than playing the, the Titans. I view this as better than, than over, overpriced Cardinals, you know, you're not knowing what to select. Just it seems like the easiest path to first place comes through this rather than how do I play Stafford and not play cup? How do I play the, like you're trying to get like, how do I play Brady without playing Godwin and Evans? Like, I, I don't know how you do that, but here it's just a clear path of like the Raiders put up five touchdowns. Like that's like, that's yeah, other teams could put up five touchdowns also, but I'm getting this at lower ownership and less price. And I can yeah. still have pieces of that, like it seems like in this game for the Raiders, what I like, what what I like and dislike about the Raiders, uh, Stewart, is that there's really no one that's like a one-off. Like Waller, I guess, but like if Carr has a thirty-plus point game, he's going to drag two receivers with him. He's going to drag two of them with him regardless. So like I don't like playing like the guys as one-offs. So to me, it makes it. And but that's the reason why other people don't like. It's easy to play Calvin Ridley as a one. It's easy to play Cooper Cup as a one off, right? It's a, like the the chalk stacks. I'm going to play Tyreek Hill as a one off or Kelsey. Okay, I'm going to play Godwin or Evans as a one off. Okay, I don't have to play a Brady stack. But it seems like if any of these receivers, any of these pass catching options, put up a thirty point game, I think Carr is, is QB. I think Carr competes for QB one because I think that's the only way that that happens. So if I'm going to play Raiders. Why aren't they playing Carr in the lineup? Because Hunter Renfro's 16 points ain't winning me a GPP. Waller's 12 or something, or Ruggs is 16. But if Ruggs goes for 36, Derek Carr has a 303, 304 type of game, and it's 6,000 versus Mahomes at 8,400. Like, it's going to, Derek Carr is going to be in the Millie winning line. Yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of let off the show talking about, running back QB pairs. And I know you've mentioned Josh Jacobs. Like, do you see Carr plus Jacobs as a, I mean, it's not really like the game environment you were talking about at the top, right? Like it's blowout type game. Um, but I, I mean, I assume that you're not really seeing Jacobs plus Carr as a option. It's doable. Right? 
it's doable. It's probably it's not probably it's not probably optimal, yeah. but it's doable only because I think the, for Carr to get 300 yards, yeah, maybe it's a dump dump offs to Jacobs. Like I need I at a car for six thousand, like for a GPP winning ceiling, I need three hundred and three. And yes, I could see a case where he could get three hundred and three, and Jacobs has two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, I can see that, but I think Jacobs uh, rushing is is heavily negatively correlated to car ceiling. That I'd be less likely to do so, but it wouldn't be something that I'm specifically ruling out. Yeah. Um... Okay, that that makes sense. And then, um, yeah, I mean, Rugs to me kind of looks like the preferred, like obviously Waller, of course. But then, like you said, you know, it does seem like a spot you definitely want to double stack. Um, I don't know, like Renfro seems like kind of a better better value, higher floor, but um, you know, the the kind of uh, slot low A dot. Uh, pretty much no big play ability. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it seems like rugs will get, I mean, sorry, uh, Renfro will get like some amount of ownership and just given his, what I, what I would consider somewhat limited ceiling, like rugs would probably be the preferred spot. Is that how you're seeing it? Or uh, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, it, it doesn't, I mean, I don't mix, mix of both. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, to me, yeah. it's a, the, the key is this car plus two, pass catcher so i could still do rent for a wall or i could still do i i could still throw edwards and some it's just however however it works out it, the key part of this is playing the raiders as a stack so that's isn't that what i was explaining before of like the receivers the pass catching options as one-offs like I, it's hard for me to like like get to them like just as it feels like if one of them has a good enough game to be in a gpp winning lineup that car is at the head of that lineup so i'm like Am I going to make rules so that I don't play any Raiders as one-offs? No, but I'd be more inclined to be play Raiders more in lineups with Carr, and then like I mean, I'd be more inclined like that. Let not see Waller's a, a, an interesting case. See Waller, I don't mind as a one-off as much, only because he's at a weak, he's at the a scarce tight end position. So if Waller has a great, Waller has a thirty-six point game, th- that means that Carr probably had a good game, but maybe not a QB one game. But 36 for Waller is probably a TE1 game. So if Kelsey only has 18 and Waller is the next highest at 36, you're going to want him as a one-off. So it's like it's more of the fact of the Renfro, the Edwards, the Rug, more of those wide receiver types. And Because even Jacobs, I don't mind. Because the running back is, you know, in that 6K range, I don't mind playing as a one-off. It's more of the, yeah, the, the, the receivers, where I can't, I can't see any of these receivers like having like a 30-plus point game without Carr sitting there with like 30 points. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, it makes, makes sense. Um, I think, uh, yeah, subjectively checks out. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I, I got nothing else really on top of that. Like those are. Right. But you'll, you'll, you'll have some of the stuff in the, in the sub stack that you're sending out, right? Yep. Yeah. We'll probably do sub stack tomorrow morning. Um, I've been very behind this week. I had jury duty uh, this week. Have you ever had to do that before? Yeah, I've done it before. Did did you get? Obviously, you didn't get chosen. No, I didn't get chosen. Or but, you're maybe uh, you're under sequester. Maybe you're being sequestered. Right <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, no comment. No, I didn't get chosen, but just uh, sat around in uh, in the uh, Brooklyn courthouse for two days, ninety five percent of the time, just sitting, uh, working on my computer, looking at my phone. Uh, so I don't know, not. Not like, uh, not like I just lost two days, but definitely more comfortable to do that, like at home, um, instead of like a stale, like, uh, did you even get called? Did you get to Voidir or anything or just like, nope, no, no, they just, um, they, they just called me and shuffled me around to various different rooms and then told me to go back to rooms that I started in and, uh, you know, wait that I might get called to a next room. And then at the end of the two days, the just left in the original room that I started at. And they were like, uh, all right, well, anyone else who's here, just go home. And I was like, all right, well, sweet. Uh, what a, what a great, I don't know. How, how can we not like get phone numbers where they can just like text you? Like you will be needed in roughly an hour, like come, you know, or two hours or whatever they think is. The Have you seen the technology behind like most of the government? I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not like a, how can we not have the technology? It's more just like, uh, how is it that we have ex- uh, 
come to expect such uh, little efficiency out of um, this is this is a well, that goes on to a different type of podcast. <laughs> you go to a, a different a different category on iTunes to get yeah. any of those types of opinions. So, uh, so Stuart, uh, you're at you're at Stark Gibson, as yeah, well correct. as AS Analytics DFS. And you can check out everything there at advancedsportsanalytics.com. Sign up for the Substack, and I'm at Blender HD, and uh, and and doing all the Roto Grinder stuff on the pregame show and the showdown shows. So, uh, so until until next week, uh, that has been another edition of the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders.com. <laughs>